Hi, and welcome to Faithful Deconstruction. I'm Jesse Cruikshank. And I'm Roland Smith. In this episode, we want to talk about how to kind of move out of the space of deconstruction. Like, if we've been faithfully deconstructing or deconstructing without losing our faith, then there has to be a journey out of the wilderness, right? There, there is naturally, maybe slowly, maybe not so slowly, a reconstruction of how we understand the world. We don't, we don't say stay, you know, deconstructed forever. Right. And so I want to talk about what has been helpful for you, what's been helpful for me, and, and maybe what a, would our encouragement be to people if they're in the process of kind of working through the deconstruction space, you know, what can they, what should they remember or, or might be helpful for them? And, or maybe what might be helpful for someone if they're journeying with another person mm-hmm. who's deconstructing. And when I think about the Tower of Babel narrative that we've been tracking all along, mm-hmm. I mean, I think at some point, obviously they had to settle somewhere. Like they didn't just stay wandering forever, right? They eventually made towns and farms and had families and went on and built a life Mm -hmm. somewhere away from the Tower of Babel. And and it makes me think about just, again, that whole journey of being sent out, going to a new place, experiencing a new thing, and and how that always seems to be part of God's story for us. Mm -hmm. And it brings me to the conclusion that if God thought deconstruction was bad, then he would not have made it a natural and regular part of the journey of faith, yeah. right? So even though it's, it's very painful and confusing and scary and it may be hard to watch somebody else go through, like if God thought it was bad, he would do things a different way, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. So how then shall we live, right? Jesus deconstructs Judaism. Yeah. It's, it seems like it's got to be part of his plan in some way. Yeah, I mean, the biblical storyline that we know of is littered with Mm. constant deconstructing and reconstructing, um, you know, what God intends for for people or where he's directing them or, uh, or like we've said, you know, and I've said, I think the Gospels are this huge deconstruction story, you know, of um, a huge shift from how people were interacting and worshiping and living in community together. And Jesus has given them a whole new way to do that. And so, um, yeah, deconstruction is a normal part of life. I think we probably do it in other parts of life also besides our faith. I mean, that's how we grow uh, is probably through deconstruction. And um, it's just that, you know, that this time and this period and, uh, in the church and people like post COVID not coming back to church and deconstruction being this word that's become kind of a buzz buzzword. I think it's, it's put a fear maybe mm. in churches and in leadership and those kinds of things where they just, you know, they just react and say, Oh, you're losing your faith, you know, and it's not losing your faith. It's a part of, it's part really kind of part of a natural process. Yeah. Right of of refining, refining sanctification, as sure. Paul called it. Right, yeah. so we we lose we 
uh, shed off what weighs us down. And mm-hmm. just like he talks in Philippians, and, and so we can cast off and, and focus more on what God is calling us or, or maybe there are other mm-hmm. things that we thought were important and God's like, actually, and that's not as important to me as you know it's been to you. So let's leave that behind a little bit. But if you're a if you're a pastor or a church leader or curating some kind of a community and someone says to you, I'm I'm shedding what you have been offering, and I won't say whether it's good or bad. It's like whatever you've been offering, I'm right. shedding that because my journey is leading me this way, that becomes a critique, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of like blessing them on their new journey or helping them find a community where they can walk in that. Yeah. Right. So, cause if it's, it's this journey of identity reformation sure. and if my identity has been our certain faith tribe and our way of, of mm-hmm. doing church and my journey takes me to, you know, a different way of doing church. Maybe I've been more evangelical and I'm becoming more liturgical because really I'm an introvert mm-hmm. and that's just a little easier for me to connect with God. Cause I'm not all freaked out by everybody, yeah. you know, it doesn't mean that one was bad and the other is good. It's just this one is a better fit for me, but it doesn't mean that we don't take the thing that we value, you know, that they're leaving behind. We don't take that personally because sure. it because it can, right? Yeah. And we're afraid yeah. that we're going to lose these relationships. So what has been helpful for you for um, being with people in their, in their place of deconstruction, you know, it, how would you coach somebody who might be thinking I, that they're in a deconstructive space, either the first one or the second yeah. one right now? Well, and I, and I feel like, um, I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I've definitely been, you know, reconstructing for mm-hmm. quite a while. There's still things that deconstruct along the way. And so it's almost like, um, it's almost like Toby mentioned breadcrumbs, and I, when he said it, I you know I wrote it down actually afterwards. It's almost like picking up bread, certain breadcrumbs along the way. And so when I remember when a big deconstructive process happened in me, uh, and we kind of left our my church position and kind of an institutional framework, um, you know, I started picking things back up. Hmm. That felt helpful. That that felt like I was closer to God because of this, whether it was a practice or whatever. Hmm. So I was figuring out the things that I shed, right? That I was leaving behind, and then keeping the things that, and like putting it in my knapsack as I'm going <laughs> along. You know, so if, yeah. if you imagine kind of walking a path of reconstruction, and you're like, oh yeah, that thing, I, I'm shedding that. I don't want to pick that back up, but this thing that I found, I want to keep that and mm-hmm. and put this, you know, I'm going to backpack and keep it with me. I think that's helpful whether you're a pastor or you're, you know, a churchgoer that's trying to reconstruct something in your faith is um, don't put the pressure on it's black or white, right? but it's more that there are all these aspects of relationship with God and your faith and how the, how those things interact and you can kind of find the things that that connect you in a deeper way um, I do think keeping your keeping your eye on Jesus and um, 
you know, with your goal of being to love God, to love your neighbor. I mean, that's those were the goals we were given. If you just keep those goals, you don't even have to keep the goal of I'm going to believe everything the Bible says this way. Um, you can you can take that journey and find the things that are helpful, you know, as you journey kind of back into a new understanding. Yeah. 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 I think it, I also remember when Toby said that and I thought it was beautiful because there are things that I've there were rituals I let go of, but then mm-hmm. there were actually rituals I picked up. I do a lot more contemplation right. um, time, Lectio Divina, and in and, and different ways of engaging with the Spirit and with and with the text, with the Bible, than I used to. Um, one thing that was helpful for me is I actually got a different translation of the Bible than the one yeah. that I had been reading that I'd memorized my whole life mm-hmm. because I needed to, I needed to encounter it in a different way. Right. And then I would sit with Jesus and say, Jesus, tell me what this means. So instead of trying to like read commentaries, which I had done for a long time, you know, I was just like, okay, <laughs> I don't know what I think about this and would have this small group conversation with, with mm-hmm. Jesus on what the Bible was saying. Be like, I don't understand that. I don't agree with that. Like, like we would have a dialogue and then I found other people who were a little more okay with that kind of engaging with yeah. scripture. And and then maybe I could hear a little bit through them, maybe what or at least know that there were different ways to look at a passage. Mm-hmm. And if you know, it doesn't mean we didn't know which one was wrong, which means right. I don't know. It, it, we just became more open handed about it and could see the beauty of each different understanding and the mystery and the way that God revealed himself through to us personally through each one of those. So it became more focused and yet way more open at the same time. And changing translations just kind of helped me with that. I didn't stay stuck in my mental rut. I still, I mean, I still read probably four or five different translations. And if I'm, you know, like if I'm going to teach something or preach one Sunday or something like that, I mean, I'll look at it and, probably 10 different translations just to try to get a sense of it because I don't, I don't think any English translation is necessarily the pure interpretation of that ancient language, you know? Um, So, yeah, so I agree with that. The other thing I was thinking about was, um, you know, there was a, there was a point in my marriage with Kitty where we, we were having a hard time early on in our marriage and we had, um, uh, we went to counseling, and the counselor said something that has just always stuck with me. And I think it, I think it applies to this as well. Um, he said, uh, basically, you're not trying to save your marriage; you're trying to discover what your new marriage is going to be. Mm. You know, and so mm. it was like instead of like holding on to this, you know, this framework of something that felt unhealthy or led us to unhealth. It was like, no, let's, we know we're going to stay in community together. Right. So what, what is the new thing that that's going to look like? And so I think in deconstruction that that could be a helpful thought. It's not, you're trying to save your old faith or something like that. It's like, you're trying to discover what Jesus actually wants for you, you know, in relationship. And like Greg said, was saying, you know, it's like, it's messy, it's hard, um, but 
you know, I asked him the question, you know, do you feel more focused on what God's called you to do? And he said, yeah, absolutely. You know, so that hidden spring, you know, that I read last episode, it's like there, there is a hidden spring. So you just get with people and you walk the path and you discover it together, you know? Yeah, I think the the fear that we have when we're watching somebody else go through deconstruction or that, you know, if they come to us and say, I think I'm doing this, is we're afraid that they're going to lose their faith, right? And mm-hmm. and that instinct of, you know, the potential loss of something can cause us to to grasp, which looks like control, which looks like managing, which looks mm-hmm. like, you know, just trying to shove the right answers, you know, down them and make them, you know, believe them. Just hang on to it. Just repeat it to yourself a hundred times. Well, Mm -hmm. if that was going to work, it would have already worked. (laughs) Yeah. But it doesn't. And so if we can believe that, that that the goal is to just help them discover their new relationship with God, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe that can help us uh, not grasp or so much. Mm -hmm. And I know that for me as a disciple maker, watching somebody else go through their journey of, of questions and, and struggles and doubts has increased my faith in God as the author mm-hmm. of their story, right? I can't make them believe any one thing. I can't make them agree with me. I have uh, spiritual children who disagree with me on very, you know, important things. They're important to me. Right. But I think it's beautiful that they disagree with me because that means I taught them the most important lesson, which is that they have their own relationship with God mm-hmm. and that God, it, I have to trust that God is the author of their story right. just as much as he's the author of my story. Yeah. And so the struggle as a spiritual parent has increased my faith and trust in God yeah. um, on behalf of them as much as, you know, my own journey. Well, I mean, knowing how much I've changed in some of my views of, of things, you know, how, how God interacts with certain cultural things or my own beliefs, Mm -hmm. you know, in those things, how much I've grown, you know, in my awareness of uh, people in the margins and, um, women in leadership and all, all these things have changed from like my twenties to 60. Now it would be such a scary thing to think at any one point I was the purveyor of exact truth <laughs> right. to someone. And, you know, and I, I a little bit shudder at some of my early sermons and those kinds of things. Cause I, cause I know I stood up there and it was just as arrogant as could be to just set, kind of present like, here's what you should believe about mm-hmm. this, um, as opposed to here's how I look at this, here's where I am in my journey with this, um, which is a permission for everyone to in, interpret and journey with God as the author, not me be the author. Yeah. Right. It's that, it's that cruciform, that, that crucified life mm-hmm. that Jesus invites us into that continually humbles us, sure. right? I also think about the things that I taught um, in ministry in my 20s, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, Lord, forgive me. I feel like I, feel like I have to pay penance <laughs> to teach people the, the new lesson. I, I yeah. perpetuated problems, and people aren't in ministry because of my leadership. Like, like I've definitely, definitely screwed people up. Don't you wish you could go back, find everyone, <laughs> and just say, I'm so sorry. 
Well, to some degree, I actually <laughs> yeah. have. Oh, to yeah. some degree, I've reached out to okay. them yeah. if I still have their contact information and just just a, just apologized. Yeah. Like, I'm so yeah. sorry that I taught you this and that yeah. I was a bad representation mm. of, of Jesus to you. And some of them responded back. Some of them haven't. And that's, I mean, that's totally fine, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I I didn't do it to reconnect the relationship. I did it because I had healing and there was some healing I needed to experience. So mm-hmm. having having repented um, to those I still have contact information for um, has been an important part of my journey. Wow. Yeah. I, and I don't know what it's done for them. Yeah. But, I mean, I just pray the Lord continues to pour grace. Yeah. <laughs> on yeah. them. Yeah. You know, it makes me think about this season in this moment where we're all kind of going through this thing together. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that we talked about at the very beginning was the every 500 years kind of pattern that exists in history where there's a giant recalibration and how we feel like mm-hmm. we are in one. And I remember sitting with the Lord in 2020 and in the year that was the crazy and and just kind of reflecting on the fact that because of the pandemic, we were experiencing something as a planet, you know, in a uniform kind of way that had never happened before mm-hmm. in the in the entirety of history of of the human race. Like, so even when we had these big global things like the different world wars of the last century, they still didn't affect every continent the same, and sure. they didn't impact them all. You know, and even the previous pandemics, mm-hmm. you know, kind of had a slow wave over over the globe. But here, like the, we all had the same kind of six months or nine months sure. together, and that had never happened before in human history. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Wow, okay, God, I don't know if you cause things or you allow things, and I don't even know if that's the right question. But like, why would you? What would? You, what do you want from us out of this? You mm-hmm. know, what's the redemptive storyline?" In this, and this is what the Lord, uh, I feel like the Lord said to me, and it's the, the longest sentence the Lord, I feel like, has ever said to me. So I wrote it down. Okay. <laughs> I have to read okay. it because it's so long. Yeah. But this is what I feel like the Lord revealed. He said um, that that this corporate disruption, mm-hmm. and we could even say maybe corporate deconstruction, um, we go through it all together because it reduces shame, increases vulnerability, and increases connectedness. Because positive change only happens in environments of love. Hmm. And I, and what I took away from that or what I interpreted that to mean is that God has allowed this to happen to so many of us at the same time, like this big, you know, epic change so that his hope would be that we would find that vulnerability, that humility, that nobody knows what to do, but we wouldn't feel shame in it because we're all in it together. Like we all mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I don't know. And and so we're not shaming one another for not knowing, and that that would increase our connectedness to one another, and centeredness I think around Jesus. Hmm. So you know I think God has purpose for the church in this, purpose for the refinement and the and the beauty of the bride mm-hmm. in this. But you know that's that's why the goal of faithful reconstruction on the other side would be what I hope that people just keep journeying to one step at a time as you're able to wake up and take a baby step towards that or, mm-hmm. or ask God a more transparent question, have a little more transparency with God about how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Because for me, it's led to a deeper, a deeper faith, a deeper connection with God 
and and that has resulted in more freedom. Yeah. And I find on the, my other side of reconstruction is I haven't lost my faith. That thing that I was trying to grasp, mm-hmm. I actually found more of it by letting it go. Right. Yeah. It's a. It's kind of I call it like pushing on a string. Mm. You know, it's kind of you can't imagine pushing on a string, but but it's one of those things that uh, is counterintuitive. You know, mm. so I think the. The intuitive thing is if I frame everything nice and clean, my theology, my church, what I believe, what I don't, all those kinds of things, you feel you do feel safer, and perhaps you are. I don't know. Maybe you're safer. Um, Maybe. But if you, like Greg said, I think, engage the wildness of God, mm-hmm. you step outside the bounded set, and you— allow yourself doubts which god can handle questions which i think god likes <laughs> um, right they really he, demonstrate cause, faith because he teaches us things in that yeah. um you know and you allow yourself a certain amount of deconstruction and, and i know some deconstructive processes are from abuse and those kinds of things which we don't desire so i'm not right. saying like allow that kind of stuff but i mean step into the process that you're in, um, I think what you find is a fuller faith because of that. It's it's very counterintuitive to, to say, you mean I'm going to leave my framework of, you know, what I thought I was defined by to go find something mm. new. Well, that feels really scary. And what's out there? Well, Jesus is out there. God's out there. And the Holy Spirit will guide you to that. Yeah. yeah. So so whether it's the season of the world or the season of our life or even abuse and trauma sure. that leads us into the the wilderness. Yeah. You know, that God's goal is to remake us. Right. Right? Redeem Always redeeming. Them, right. Always redeeming. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the the hope that I have for the church here is that, you know, personally I believe that we were building a tower of Babel called mm-hmm. the North American Attractional Church. And God shook it so that he could show us that which was of the kingdom yeah. and that which wasn't. And that his his redemptive purpose would be that here on the other side of it, we can recreate, co-create with him mm-hmm. something new. Something new. Yeah. And when we co-create with God, we know that it's holy. When we don't, we know that it'll never be holy. So he has yeah, this redemptive purpose purpose is redemptive storyline for us mm-hmm. in our reconstruction the scary part is it's it's probably more dispersed just mm-hmm. like Babel. so it may look like i know we have friends that are proponents of smaller is better you know than trying to build big institutions i mean perhaps so it may be smaller it may be more dispersed it may feel it may feel more disconnected but I know that if the people of God are kind of dispersed out into the neighborhoods in the city, it's like they're always participating in that mission of, yeah. of displaying the kingdom of God. And so I really think it has the potential to be better as it disperses. And finding other people, being mm-hmm. places where other people who speak that same kind of language and ethos like, like Toby has created yeah. can find a place to maybe reconstruct if they've yeah. been wandering in the wilderness for 
for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have a, a a hope or a prayer or a blessing? I for do. Us? I actually, I actually want to read one out of the book I've been reading out of uh, two or three times. Oh, nice. There's a um, there's a really nice kind of a benediction hmm. um, type prayer that that um, was was taken um, was taken from uh, Kathy McShane, uh, who's a Methodist minister, but McLaren repeats it. I'm just want to. I'm just going to posture myself to receive yeah, this okay. and, and hear this. Yeah, this and, be and I'll try to read this slowly so we catch this. Um, it says, "Blessed are the curious, for their curiosity honors reality. Blessed are the uncertain, and those with second thoughts, for their minds are still open. Blessed are the wonderers, for they shall find what is wonderful." Blessed are those who question their answers, for their horizons will expand forever. Blessed are those who often feel foolish, for they are wiser than those who always think themselves wise. Blessed are those who are scolded, suspected, and labeled as heretics by the gatekeepers, for the prophets and mystics were treated in the same way by the gatekeepers of their day. Blessed are those who know their unknowing, for they shall have the last laugh. Blessed are the perplexed, for they have reached the frontiers of contemplation. Blessed are they who become cynical about their cynicism and suspicious of their suspicion, for they will enter the second innocence. Mm. Blessed are the doubters, for they shall see through false gods, and blessed are the lovers, for they shall see God everywhere. Oh man, that's so beautiful. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Okay. We want to thank you for being with us on on faithful deconstruction and discussing and having conversations around the journey of deconstruction with the hope that through a more authentic, you know, depth with one another, authentically receiving ourselves where we're at, receiving one another, that you felt a little more seen, a little more known, and maybe a little less alone. Yeah, and continue the conversation with someone, even if it's stopping here. (laughs) Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for tuning in for Faithful Deconstruction. As a listener to this podcast, we wanted to make available to you a free download entitled Six Questions of Faithfulness. They are questions that help you both honor God and the journey you're on. You are not alone, and you're not lost, even if it might feel like it. Go to whoology.co for access to our free resources today.